0: Hello, this is Josh, and welcome back again to the Listening Room.
1: Listen to what the flower people say. Ah, Listen, it's getting louder every day. It sucks, but the killings are gorgeous, and like a nightmare, covering the tracks that have brought you there. In opposite directions the black socks, but the are gorgeous.
0: Before we jump directly back into the album, there are a couple other notes that I wanted to go over. And one is just the artwork for this album is fantastic. I love it. I think it really helps just capture the spirit of the album visually because it has this playfully serious tone to it. Um, Major props to the artist Joe Ledbetter. The way that he draws, I figured uh, he was a comic book illustrator, but it doesn't uh, particularly say that in his resume, just that he's an artist, illustrator, and toy maker. Check him out. He's got some good stuff. The other thing to note is probably why I ended up picking this record, um, even if it was just subconsciously, is that just recently Motion City Soundtrack has announced that they are breaking up, so they're going on one final tour and then calling it a day for the band. Hopefully I'll be able to see them at their stop here in Austin, Uh, we'll see with details and all that fun stuff, but um, it's a sad day when, when one of your favorite bands is breaking up, it's a shame. Oh, and the other little tidbit is just on track two. I don't know how I I could have just glossed over it. But the piano, man, it really uh, just adds to that track. So go back and listen to it. Hear that piano because it's good stuff. All right, track six, History.
1: What do you hope to find here? There's nothing left as you can see. When the beatings all began begun scream and run, but the current pulled us down, and the smallest ones would drown, now we sit and drink all day, and sing their songs of praise, what are you asking me
0: for? History Lesson is a more acoustic guitar driven song, um, to me it feels more like kind of a campfire song, like a song that, you know, around the campfire you just sing along with everyone, uh, kind of a communal thing. It kind of veers into the realm of contemporary radio rock. Uh, there's nothing really edgy about the song, except maybe the lyrics, possibly. Like on the rest of the album, there's lots of vocals all over the place, there's lots of harmonies tucked in there um, to bring out certain lines, as well as just some vocal refrains, some oohs and some ahs to make it uh, go down even easier. The electric guitar is mostly just rhythm. I mean, there's a solo at the end of the song, but outside of that, there's not too much going on. The bridge brings things down a bit with the strings playing in the background and just your standard drum pattern, in fact the drums are pretty standard throughout the song. Although I will note that the drum sounds a bit different at the bridge if you listen to it through the song and then you listen to it going in there. Particularly the cymbals, they lose a little bit of their sparkle. It sounds more like a live drum kit than it does uh, something studio produced. And again to me that gives it that feeling of just kind of like a campfire song that they just threw together the vocals change key at the very end of the song uh to to try and you know give it that more dynamic hit and then it's got that gang vocals to close out the song you know it's a shame that we have to start off this episode with this song because this is personally my least favorite song on the album it almost feels kind of like a parody song coming from these guys, if I can say it. Um, I've read that the band describes the song as some kind of an Irish drinking song. And thinking about it like that, it makes more sense. Um, it, you can see a bunch of people with their pints of ale singing along to the song, right? But, uh, you know, overall, the song really just doesn't do much for me. Lyrically, the song starts off with a chorus, and it doesn't really seem to fit the rest of the song, at least not how I interpret it. He sings, What do you hope to find here? There's nothing left, as you can see. Now, I'll be upfront in just saying right now that the constant refrain of the the language, the GD bomb that he continues to use in the choruses, it's grating to me. I really don't like that phrase, so maybe it's just my bias that causes me to dislike the song. I don't know. But moving to the verses of the song, they talk more about hardship. Metaphorically, they're spoken of as waves, as a current, as drowning. So you get the idea that it's written from the perspective of a sailor who's been shipwrecked. The challenges of life have taken their toll on our minstrel, and so he repeats, So now we sit and drink all day, multiple times in the song. It gives the impression that he's somewhat fixated on his past. The bridge in the song brings out the silver lining of hopefulness in the song. He sings, We learned a lot about the art of contradiction. We learned a lot about the company we keep. We learned a lot about what keeps us all together. I'm with you till the end. So though throughout the rest of the song, we see his fixation on the past and his hardships in the verses, and his reluctance to face the past in the chorus, at the end of the song on the bridge, we get an acknowledgement that you can learn from the hardships that you face. And with that, we're moving on to track seven, Stand Too Close. If I stand too close, I might fall in, but if I'm too far gone,
1: Just stay when you draw near. there is no reasoning. It's quite a silly thing, but it's the way I've been for years.
0: So I will understand if all right understand now, this is more my style of an acoustic song for Motion City soundtrack. It's kind of funny to me that it comes right after History Lesson, just because these are the two more stripped down songs on the album and they're back to back. So the contrast here, to me, heavily favors this song. I mean, this song sounds like it was written to be a full band song that they just kind of stripped down. There's the electric guitar lead line that's still there that comes over the acoustic guitar and the hand claps. There are the piano chords that are playing. And to go along with the sound of the song, the vocals are even more laid back as well. When the drums come in, it's still just only the kick drum and a shaker with a little bit of tambourine and triangle and other kind of percussion things to, to... play around with, and then there's some vocalizations that add just a bit more color at the second verse. Finally, the drums and the chunky electric guitars come in at the second chorus to give the song a final big push before the acoustic ending with just the acoustic guitar and the vocals there. This is a really fun song. Picking apart the lyrics, Stand Too Close is some sort of self-obsessed love song. And, I mean, really, without being in a committed relationship, how can you help but think of any type of relationship in some sort of self-facing manner? We just see that idea amplified here in the song. This one starts out with the chorus and it gives us this idea that he's into this girl that he's talking about. He sings, if I stand too close, I might fall in. But if I'm too far gone, I'll never win. If you believe in me, I might just want to spend some time with you again. So, he's battling the idea of getting closer to her, but at the same time he's becoming obsessed with her too quickly. So the place that he's found himself in is waiting to see if she reciprocates his feelings before moving forward. You know, I'm actually going to have to backpedal. Taking a closer look at these lyrics, it isn't actually a love song, but it's a song about the effects of attraction on Justin and the insecurities that it brings along. The first verse seems to list off reasons why she shouldn't be with him. I mean, he's nervous around her, and after he does calm down and gets more comfortable, he begins to show off his pessimism. Similarly, in the second verse, he lists off a few more confessions, while throwing in a bit about Busta Rhymes. He can be crazy and do dumb things that end up hurting her, but the crux of it comes towards the end of that verse, when he sings... You've thrown a few choice phrases out my way and I've ignored them all as best I could. Except that tiny bit about how I just can't commit. There's some truth in what you say." Sure, the uh, non-committed boyfriend is a tired cliche that we've heard hundreds of times before throughout all kinds of media, but that's really what the song is about. It colors the rest of the song by showing how all of his excuses and insecurities are really just manifestations of his inability to commit. Of course he would come up with reasons why she shouldn't be with him, because he isn't really ready to be with her in a way that would make him vulnerable. So what seems like a nice, straightforward, kind of fluffy um, pop love song actually kind of uncovers something a bit deeper. And it shows that sometimes your actions aren't necessarily driven by conscious convictions, but sometimes it's just passive insecurity. Okay, let's move on to something a little bit more fun. Track eight is Pulp Fiction.
1: and everything I married to the weekend.
0: I don't know about you, but the first thing that I notice about this song are the drums and holy shnikes, those drums. Tony is fantastic on this song. He sounds like a machine. I'd like to think that the precision of the drums on this song is not due to simple quantization after the fact, but that Tony's actually playing this rhythm in uh, just that the timing is so perfect and um, it's pretty complex and fast. Moving onward, I also like the synth pad at the first verse. It feels kind of 80s, you know, with that, that little sizzle to it. And it adds to the quirky feeling of the song that's particularly brought out with Justin's vocal performance. I could just imagine Justin wearing shades and slumped back against a wall while he's singing. It complements the lyrics perfectly. And though they still play a prominent role at the chorus in the bridge, the electric guitars don't really feel like the focal point of the song. To me, it feels like it was written with a synth in mind because of the different voicings that are used. I mean, there's an organ, there's just the simple kind of synthesizer mainline, there's the pad that it uses, all, all these different types of voicings. And speaking of voicings, there's also a smattering of vocalizations in the song as well, especially to end it out. And backing those vocalizations are, of course, the drums again. That ending rhythm is pretty crazy, because Tony is playing just kind of like a snare roll while he's playing the rest of the kit. And then you also hear the shaker going on pretty quickly, and then some uh, tambourine as well. It culminates into this really crazy, complex, fast drum sound that I think is really cool. This dude knows how to play his instrument. Now, the lyrics are almost entirely references to pop culture. The way that Justin is able to fit so much into the song and still make the syllables line up perfectly so it doesn't feel forced, it's quite a feat. I'll say that the song is extremely well written, even if the overall meaning kind of gets lost in the nod and a wink mentality of the writing. It seems to me that the song is a story about tracking someone down, almost like a sort of written film noir, complete with its own set of lingo that pulls from other mystery stories. I think the imagery on the chorus is particularly good. He sings, It's like a bad dream, something on the back of a magazine, black and white and cheaply put together. And here's the line that I like so much. Like a slasher film, I'm torn in opposite directions. The plot sucks, but the killings are gorgeous. Not only is that a great line in itself, but I think it sums up the song nicely. The overall story of the song isn't the best, but the set dressing and the word choices are fantastic. This is definitely a standout song in my mind on the album. And that clever little title is actually a reference to the video game arcade Qbert, where your little character, if they die or something happens to them, they use a lot of symbols to show that the character is cussing. Which I think is quite the fitting title for this song because not only does it start out with another video game reference, but there is lots of playful language in this song. Musically, I think all the instruments work together pretty well. That first verse kind of sets the stage with the guitars for Justin's singing, and then it eventually kind of grows with the introduction of the bass, and then some piano lines as well towards the end of that verse. There's a real simple chorus, which again, I think it just helps to bring out Justin's vocals. He kind of jumps around um, between, he jumps around with a kind of a basic vocal hook for the vocal melody, but then he also jumps up to his falsetto to complete the melody. There's also a little bit of synthesizer peppered in to kind of color the chorus a little bit. I love the channel that they use at the beginning of verse 2 where it's just the bass line and some finger snaps over Justin's singing. And the vocals just go crazy at the bridge. I mean, I imagine Justin kind of yelling and jumping up and down. It just seems like he feels free to do whatever he wants on this song. And then at the end of the song, we've got hand claps and gang vocals to close it out. I'd say this song feels bright and bouncy, almost uh, bubbly, which make the lyrics even funnier to me. They're not taking themselves seriously. I mean, even if you listen closely, the ending caps off the song nicely. The music stops and Justin just says, word. It's a really fun song if you can appreciate it. Now, I said earlier that the song starts off with a video game reference. This is one of my favorite opening lines of any song ever. Justin sings, In early '99, I beat the ocarina of time. I'm quite the legend in this town. So, right off the bat, we get a sense of confidence and a reference to an old video game. I mean, the song is obviously some sort of a joke because he starts off by bragging about his video game accomplishments. Now, if you know me, you know that I enjoy video games a lot. I just think it's funny to brag about them in a public setting. I mean, the next line is, my friends get wicked from all the foul-mouthed fools you run with. So it's setting up an antagonist to the song and he's insulting him by saying something that is very true about himself. I mean, there are probably at least 15 F-bombs on this song. Just all throughout the song, you can tell that there's kind of a nod and a wink at the camera. He kind of breaks the fourth wall, if, if I can say it that way, by making fun of himself while also railing against this other person. I mean, basically, the song is about kind of accepting people for who they are, or at least not picking on people for enjoying the things that they do. You get the idea that Justin puts himself in the shoes of a nerd, and people are picking on him, and so this song is his middle finger to all those people, while also r- recognizing that the stuff that he likes is not uh, not very cool. The Bridge even talks about where th- this person that he is opposing, he's basically pointing out that he is also a part of a group of people. He has his peers as well, and you're a hypocrite for enjoying certain things with your peers while dissing other people for what they enjoy and dissing their peer group. But again, this song is, it it rides that line there, and it just becomes a diss towards those people. So he's being hypocritical as well. So really, this entire song is a joke. And I love it. Um, Like I said, it's not for everyone. There's lots of language. I wouldn't listen to this with... In a lot of different settings but for what it is I appreciate it and this is one of my favorite songs on the record just because it's so darn playful. I understand how you can be offended by this but hopefully you're not that uptight to see that really it's just a joke. He's trying to be funny. hysteria and this one is a little bit less of a joke. It starts off with the electric guitar and another walking bass line there to get you feeling the song as, as soon as it starts out. Um, the vocals I think on this song are a bit frantic. I, I, I like how Justin is singing throughout the song. He, it, he tries to cram a lot of words into small spaces. The synthesizer is again brought out in this song, so it has that very distinct sound to it that only a rock band like this with a synthesizer can do. And that said, I think they're really smart about using it. It adds in the chorus where the line that it plays couldn't just be done with an electric guitar. The dynamic change in the sounds of that full chorus from the thick guitars to the varied instrumentation in the verses and that speedy wordplay fit the sound the song is going for. Hysteria. It almost comes at you too fast intentionally. It grabs you and it pulls you along with the song, that that something's going on here, that it stays up-tempo and it, it keeps your attention and kind of rattles you a bit. Once again, Tony shows off his drum chops throughout the song, but especially on the second verse. His drum fills are sick. Overall, the song doesn't necessarily stick out as one of the best tracks on the album to me, but it is a great, polished song nonetheless. But man, when you get down to these lyrics, these songs are a lot darker than they feel. You know, on the first listen when he says something like, I fall apart, I'm right back where I began. A total calamity, the choices I've made. You think, oh man, this guy's just kinda down on himself for another song, Uh, oh shoot, well get back up, up on the horse and go forward, right? But this song is a lot less, hey man, I could use your help, and much more, I'm binge drinking this weekend because I can't cope with life. That said, the song isn't completely despondent because it's kind of a cry for help. Justin is realizing his harmful tendencies and looking for someone to help him through it. So, in a nutshell, this song is just that. It's about coping with horrible decisions. The first verse details his anxiety about having to explain himself to someone and not being able to use the phone to do so, while the second verse mentions how he lashes out at other people and drinks to try and deal with himself. The chorus actually sums up the song pretty well. He sings hysteria, hysteria, it's happening again. I fall apart, I fall apart, I'm right where I began. If it were anybody else but you, I wouldn't be afraid. A total calamity, the choices I've made. So not only has he made some sort of bad decision, but the consequences also fall on someone else that he loves, that he can't face. The real tragedy of the song is not simply that he's screwed up, but that he's taken someone else down with him. The last thing I'll say about the song is actually true about this song as well as the previous song, and that's that there are some somewhat throwaway lines that Justin uses. Here in Hysteria, he says, "...that said, it was no different from the others, except that this is now and that was then, and everything seems to repeat in a cyclical pattern." The way that he lines up the syllables makes it sound like he's saying, except that this is now and that was then and everything. So before looking into what the lyrics actually mean, it feels like Justin is just giving out these throwaway lines. But in the context of the song, he's talking about the cyclical pattern. And it feels like he's kind of circling the drain and his brain is going in these same circles as well. Whereas on the previous song, I think the throwaway line is, so don't think you know a thing about a thing you know nothing about. Where in that song, that line is more played as, as a joke because of the uh, context of that song. The line here actually gives you a little bit of that feeling of hysteria. I just think it's interesting to point out because I think Justin is such a good lyricist and he has such a large vocabulary that when he uses these lines that are much more common speak and much more, they almost seem like filler, it's really interesting to me that he can bring out those dynamics in his writing to where it feels either very uh, colloquial or very highbrow. In a sense, these kind of throwaway lines actually make me respect him even more.
1: What if there's nothing more to me? I'm just skin and bones, there's no mystery. What if you're just an empty shell? All your spare parts were used up by someone else. What if there's no way to explain things like deja vu and acid rain? What if we're all just broken shells on oh, someone else's thoughts? Will we be all I'm right after alone?
0: Tonight. Track 11 is Skin and Bones, and congratulations, you've made it to the most depressing track on the album. So like a lot of the songs on the album, it starts off with another guitar and vocal intro, as you've just heard, and the minor key melodies of the song create a bed for Justin to wax poetic about the possibility of purposelessness. The instrumentation is pretty simple for the most part on the song, but they're pretty good at iterating on that same progression so it doesn't feel boring. The growth of the bridge, especially, I think it really works because of it. The ending of the song in particular has a lot of layered vocals, maybe not necessarily melodies on top of melodies, but there's lots of harmonies that you can hear and then just little uh, other lines where Justin repeats what's going on. He repeats tonight a lot and that gives just another little melody in there. This song, for as depressing as it is, is actually really straightforward. The verses and the choruses all just talk about, hey, what what about this concept that maybe there is absolutely no meaning to anything that we do? The title of the track is Skin and Bones, and he's saying, what if we are just skin and bones? What if there's nothing more? Which is actually kind of funny to me, thinking that he's writing a song, which is something that's much more than the physical. I mean, how do you explain what a song does to you and the methods of communication that it uses and the feeling that it gives you if we really are just skin and bones? Anyways, I'm not trying to argue with the song. I'm just presenting what it says, and it seems very ironic to me. There's a line at the end of the first verse I find interesting where he says, what if we're all just broken shelves full of someone else's thoughts? And that uh, just reminds me that Justin is definitely a reader. He's talking about what if if we just contain these books upon books and, and they're broken and we kind of take from these books what we want and we're just an accumulation of other people's ideas. Again, I don't agree with that assessment, but I do think it's interesting that, uh, you know, you see part of Justin in this too. The last thing I see in the song, and it may be reaching a bit, but I've got the lyric booklet here in front of me, and when he sings in the chorus, will we be all right? You can take it two different ways. One of the ways is just that, you know, the song is about, well, if I'm left alone in my thoughts and I start thinking these thoughts that, hey, nothing I do matters, am I really going to be okay through all of this? Should I be alone, really, or should I um, find the company of others to kind of cheer me up and have me focus on something else? that seems to be what the song is about but as I'm looking at the lyric booklet the words all right are it, it, it's split up into two words it's not just one word all right it's all right and that just kind of made me think about um, the myth of brain lateralization so using your left side of your brain and your right side of your brain and he's saying if we're all right will the right side of the brain, traditionally has meant the creative side of your brain not necessarily the logical side of your brain so maybe what he's saying with this song is if i'm left alone am i going to completely veer and and think with my feelings the entire time and stop thinking logically if i'm left by myself so maybe in a sense the track is actually recognizing that there is irony in the song, that it really doesn't make any sense, and he's not trying to make logical sense with the song. He's actually bemoaning that he can't make logical sense at the moment. I don't know. Again, maybe I'm reaching too much, and the song really is just straightforward and depressing, but I do think it's it's a bit of a loss because in the standard version of this CD, the liner notes don't actually come with the CD. The The lyrics are not written in the CD booklet. I have the vinyl set for this album. I picked it up. It was a pretty sweet deal at Half Price Books. And that's the only way that I have found the official lyrics. It says that it was written by Justin Pierre and that the formatting and the editing was done by someone else as well. So that tells me that he's poured over the way that these words are particularly written. But at the same time, it's a shame that you can't see that these two words are different than what you might think upon first listen. Track 12, the last song on the album, is The Weekends. Now, the intro of this song starts off slowly with just the drum pattern, and then it shows you the verse progression without the distorted guitars to bring out each individual instrument, the drums, the bass, and the piano as well as the guitar. I think it sets up the sad theme well with the minor feeling of the progressions here. When the vocals do come in, they give me that same feeling of urgency and discontent that we've heard on Disappear. I mean, I'm just immediately hooked by the song. The drums, I think, again, are great on this song, and the band allows the rhythm section to drive the song on the verses, so you can really hear the interplay between the bass and the drums. I really like this song because at first listen, it seems like just another song that's grieving over Justin's condition, about his propensity to procrastination and self-destruction. But the title actually hints at the song being about overcoming those tendencies. So let's take a closer look. The first line of the first verse is quicksand as a coat of arms, loose leaf and some liquid fiction. Last writes every Friday night, am I weaker with the lights on? I really like even just the first few words there, quicksand as a coat of arms. The idea is that he continually falls into himself, that um, he, he bears this coat of arms that you know who he is just by the way that he falls into himself. Again, it's showing his propensity for these things. Loose Leaf, I assume, is a reference to drinking tea, but then also some liquid fiction, something a bit stronger, something to get lost in that's more than just tea, but something that'll get him drunk. We see some heavy imagery here when he sings last rites every Friday night. Last rites are what's given to people on death row before they die. So he's saying here that he lives in such a self-destructive way over the weekends that on Friday night he should get his last rites because he may die. He may just fall so deep into himself and plunge himself so deep into these vices that this could be the end every single weekend. And then that last part, am I weaker with the lights on? When he is the star of the show, when he's the one propped up, when everyone's looking at him, is he actually acting worse? Is he even being more self-destructive than when he's alone by himself? And then he goes on and sings high tide, tight around the neck, the same song, but everybody's bleeding. What makes me so different? The insides work the same. So the idea is that the tide is rising and it's already up to his neck. It's getting tighter. He's realizing that he can, can't continue to live this way and that as time rolls on, it's going to plunge him underneath the deep. And yet at the same time, this he says the same song and everybody's bleeding. He's saying that he's not a particular case, that everyone is at the mercy of time as it marches on. Everyone is going to their inevitable end. So then the next line, what makes me so different? The insides work the same. Why is he being so self-obsessed? And why why doesn't he work like everyone else? And why can't he just focus on other things in this end? Why does he have to be so self-destructive? But at the same time, I think there's a tinge of comfort there, that he's not the only one battling the fact that this is all coming to an end, that as he gets older, that others can help him pull himself out of the the quicksand that he's in. And on the pre-chorus, Justin sings... Do you ever feel the dark impressions of your future, the slightest gravestone whisper, the stillness of your heart? I feel it growing dark, a fever itching deeper, a fever itching to the core. I think he's just bringing that idea home, that he knows, he knows he's not going to be here forever. The thought of death is ominous, but at the same time, He talks about this fever, that he knows that he has to fight against it. That he has to make the most of the time that he does have. And then we get to the chorus, and this is where I I think there's a big turning point, because like I said at first listen, I thought this was a very tragic song. I'll just see what he sings here. I'll kick tomorrow, fight back at the pouring rain, I'll send the weekends down the drain, down the drain. It sounds to me like his procrastination is winning. I'll kick tomorrow makes it sound like I'm not, I'm not going to stop doing what I'm doing today. I'll wait till tomorrow to do it. And then that last bit, I'll send the weekends down the drain. Coupled with that line about first rights in the verse, it sounds to me like he's saying that, oh, here's another weekend lost. I'll just flush it down the drain because I can't seem to cope any other way. But we'll come back to the chorus, because for me personally, this is kind of a progressive chorus. He uses the same words throughout the entire song, but since my first thought on this song was one of a lament on the way that Justin lives. That's how I saw it. And then it gradually grows into something else. So we'll come back to that chorus. I just want to touch on the second pre-chorus where Justin sings, As years go crashing by, I think of all I've pondered, So many minutes squandered, so many things undone. I've tried to figure out how many lives I've wasted Waiting for the perfect time to start. So again, this can be taken as depressing, you know, that he's wasted so much time just simply trying to cope, that he's thrown away so many weekends. That last part in particular, I think, speaks to procrastination because he says, "'How many lives I've wasted waiting for the perfect time to start.'" So he's got these ideas, even these just projects in his mind that he wants to start, that he needs to put himself into, that he's put off till later. But I think it's just fuel to get off the couch and stop doing what he's doing and move forward and start these projects and live a better life, basically. Because, as I alluded to earlier, the title of the song, The Weekends, is not spelled like the weekend of Saturday-Sunday, but the weekends ends, almost as if it were two words. The weak as in the opposite of strength. The weak parts of me. The parts of myself where I no longer have any strength. So let's go back to the chorus now. I'll kick tomorrow, fight back at the pouring rain. I'll send the weekends down the drain. So now it's no longer a lament of what is happening, but it's actually an anthem to move forward. I will kick tomorrow. I will fight back at my adversity, what is pouring on me. The rain here is, is the metaphor. And I'll send the weak ends, those parts of me that don't want to push forward. I'll send them down the drain. Now this song is a song of hope. It's one that you can sing along to knowing that you have a future, that there is purpose, that you can continue forward, that you can make something of yourself in this life. I really admire the progression in the song, even if it is a little bit artificial to what I understood it to be. And I think it makes for a fantastic closer to a great album. So personally, I really like this band, especially because of Justin, but I think it's just nice and quirky with the synthesizer in there a lot. Uh, The synthesizer isn't quite as brought out on this album as it is on some of the other albums, so check those out. They're a lot of fun. But what did you guys think? As always, I'm happy to hear from you. You can contact me a myriad of ways. Um, there I've got my email address, listeningroompodcast at gmail.com. I've got my Google voice number at 617-651-1116. Or you can catch me on Twitter. My handle is at broccalope. And I'll be back at you next week with another album. We'll see what that ends up being. I still have no idea what I'm going to do but until then guys remember don't just hear listen go
1: crashing by I think